morning, friends. Welcome to The Well. My name is Ryan Gear. I'm the pastor here. If you're new with us, you're our guest, and we're glad you're here. If you'd like to let us know, just text the word WELCOME to 480-530-7234. It'll text you back with a digital connect card. Just fill that out and tell us about yourself, and you'll get more information about The Well. If you don't get my weekly email, you can go to our website, wellchurch.org. Just scroll to the bottom of the page, and there's a form there where it says subscribe to Ryan's email. And uh, you can get an email from me every Friday and, and find out about what's uh, going on at the church. So thanks for being with us today. We appreciate it. Today is week two of our new series, Reset, Life After the COVID Lockdown. What we're doing is we're asking, what have we learned about life during the COVID lockdown that would make our lives better if we remember it after the lockdown ends? What about you? I mean, we've probably learned all kinds of things about life and slowing down and and patience and and all the things that we've been through uh, this past year. What have you learned about life that could help make your life better after the lockdown ends? Whenever that really is, no one really knows, but that's uh, what we're talking about in this sermon series. And speaking of that, I just wanted to give a quick update on returning to in-person worship. As you know, we've been online almost exclusively since the COVID lockdown began. We've had a couple of outdoor services. We're having another one on May 2nd that I'll talk about at the end of the service. But we're starting to think now as vaccines go up and cases you know, are down in Arizona far below what they were before, when could we return to in-person worship? So in the next couple of weeks, watch for a survey uh, that I'm going to send out. And it's going to be an anonymous survey where you can give feedback about your comfort level returning to in-person worship, how often you would plan to attend, if you have children and if you w wanted to bring them to the service, and uh, we'll be able to figure out, you know, how many people we, could we expect in person on a weekly basis? What would children's ministry look like? That kind of thing. So watch for that survey over the next couple of weeks. And, and uh, we appreciate, you know, your honest feedback. Again, it's anonymous. We just want to get real numbers and know how to move forward. So it's exciting to think about. And uh, thanks for your participation here over the next couple of weeks. So today uh, we're welcoming special guest Ezekiel Vitalzi to talk about joy and peace as we think about what we've learned during the lockdown that would help our lives after the lockdown ends, we're using the structure of what are called the fruit of the Spirit from the New Testament letter to the Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23. And they start with love, like I talked about last week, and then joy and then peace this week. So as you think about what you've learned, what have you learned about joy and peace during the COVID lockdown that could help you after the lockdown ends? It's been one of the most stressful experiences of our lives probably this past year. What have you learned about joy and peace? Or maybe you're struggling and you feel like, I'm struggling to feel joy and peace. Yeah, that just sounds like an unattainable uh, experience you know, right now. And maybe you feel like that. And so as you watch this message, I encourage you to be open uh, to what God might say to you. Open to what joy and peace could look like in your life after the COVID lockdown. And so let's watch now Ezekiel Vitalzi, Reset Joy and Peace. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you today. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jezekiel Vitalzi, and I'm a member here at The Well. For those of you who do know me, hi, great to see you. I miss you. I just got my first vaccine dose, so I'm one more shot away from being safe enough for all of us to maybe hang out at some point um, because I really miss that. I'm sure a lot of you really miss that. I know Pastor Ryan asked the question last week, like, what are you going to do when the, when the COVID pandemic is over? And for me, I told this to my wife, I'm going to say yes 
whenever someone wants to hang out for the next year, at least. No questions asked. If you ask me, hey, Jezekiel, you wanna like go tip over cows in the f in a field somewhere? I'd be like, yeah, sure, bro. Just tell me what time I'll be there, you know? <laughs> Cause that's how much my extroverted self just misses people. But I also have to remember that even meeting virtually like this is a gift, you know, it's a privilege. And as much as I miss everyone, I love that we can still do church together in a safe and thoughtful way. I believe that, like I said before, the best kind of church is the church that does not kill people. So tell that to your friends. Um, I'm also glad that, you know, technology has provided a window for folks outside of Arizona to be part of our church family. So if that's you, hi, welcome. I was there with you at one point. I lived in upstate New York um, earlier um, this year. And now I live in Phoenix and it's amazing. You should come live here. But I get that you probably have a house and a mortgage and all that stuff and can't make that happen. That's okay. Arizona still loves you. Um, and yeah, you know, it's been a hard year, but with everything that we've been through, I, you know, it's somehow still been a really meaningful time for me. Um, I know that it, it, this has not been a very happy year for a lot of us, myself included. And I think that despite all of this, there's still a lot of lessons to be learned and there's still a lot of joy to be had. You know, I know that, you know, despite the high levels of stress and unhappiness, um, somehow, somehow I, I felt closer to God this year. I've experienced joy in a seemingly hopeless time and I feel more at peace with myself. I can't say that enough. Um, speaking of joy and peace, we are in week two of our series entitled Reset, Life After Lockdown. And, you know, despite all the immense hardships that we have faced, this series explores the idea, an important idea, that um, the COVID-19 lockdown has given us all an opportunity to hit the reset button. And last week, Pastor Ryan introduced the biblical lens for our series, which is the list of traits that the Apostle Paul describes in Galatians 5 otherwise known as the fruit of the Spirit. And a lot of you might actually be familiar with that concept, fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe you just are familiar with that terminology. But in case you aren't, or in case you're someone who just needs a reminder, the fruit of the Spirit means the results or the harvest of your relationship with God. I'm sure a lot of you have heard uh, the old church phrase, they will know that we are Christians by our love. I think they even made like a song out of it. Because love is one of the fruits of the Spirit. And last week, Pastor Ryan delivered a really powerful sermon on agape love. Definitely check it out on our Facebook and our YouTube if you haven't already. Other fruits of the Spirit include joy, peace, which are the two we're going to talk about today, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And chances are, what you've learned about life during this really difficult time has something to do with one of those words, I would imagine. And like I said, today we're gonna to be talking about joy and peace. And I remember when Pastor Ryan asked me to be part of this series, and he gave me all the words that he was gonna do sermons on, I chose joy and peace, because I feel like I have a lot to say about it, since those words have really resonated with me during this time. Which, you know, it seems weird or unlikely that that would be the case, especially given, like I said, how unhappy I've been over the course of the lockdown. But today we'll learn that happiness isn't always the same as joy, but more importantly, 
how the fruits of the Spirit can bring you to a place of joy and peace regardless of your circumstance. In fact, that is a central concept of the gospel. So, before we dive into those two words, I'd like to invite you all into a, you know, kind of a thought experiment I've, uh, I've cooked up for you. I want you to imagine this scenario. So imagine that it's my birthday, which by the way, actually was my birthday this past Monday. I turned 33. Thank you all for the birthday wishes. You know, it was a COVID birthday, so it was pretty good. Anyway, um, but imagine this, it's my birthday and my beloved wife has come to me with a birthday gift. Here's where the thought experiment actually begins. I wanna present you with two different scenarios to examine, okay? So scenario number one, like I said, my wife knows it's my birthday. She has come to me to deliver some kind of birthday gift. And in scenario one, she comes to me with my birthday gift and she looks frantic, exhausted, and clearly just not at peace. And she says, hey, I made you this birthday gift. It almost killed me with stress. I hated doing it, but you know what? You're worth the sacrifice because I love you. Happy birthday. Here you go. Okay. So how do you think that would make me feel? Type in the chat, by the way, what you think that would make me feel. I think that that will produce some hilarious content. Um, but it also, you know, let us all kind of talk about this exact topic. And as some of you type that, I also want you to ask yourself, man, how often is that person me? You know? How often do we martyr our spirit for the sake of others or for the sake of God or for the sake of, you know, like whatever it is that's important to us? Is this how we're called to be? Does this fall in line with the fruit of the spirit? Meditate on that concept. Now, let me introduce to you scenario two, which is this. My wife comes to me, she has a birthday gift and she looks happy excited and she clearly has a secret she cannot contain and she says hey i made you this birthday gift oh man making it made me so happy because it reminded me of all the reasons i love you and i just know you're gonna love it here you go i can't wait for you to open it happy birthday how do you think that makes me feel type in the chat what you think how, how that would make you feel if somebody did that to you versus the other way and just like in the previous scenario, let's ask ourselves the same questions. How often is that person me? How often does my labor for others or for God or for whatever it is you care about, how often is it filled with that positive energy or that, 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 that deep joy? Is this how we're called to be? Does this fall in line with the fruit of the Spirit? Let's meditate on that for a little bit. Well, let me tell you this, you know, to really answer the question honestly, I love my wife, <laughs> you know, very deeply, I, you know, and uh, she can give me whatever gift, however she wants, and that wouldn't change. But, you know, as appreciative as I would be for my wife to go through all the trouble to make a gift and to be really frantic about it and to go through a lot of stress and like, you know, hate herself for it, you know, I don't know if I'd feel great knowing that it came at the expense of her joy and peace. It would almost ruin the gift for me, right? It would almost make it seem like, whoa, like if this is what it's gonna be, I almost don't even want it, sort of thing. But even more so, 
in, like in scenario two, if she came to me operating from a place of joy and peace as she just delivers me this meaningful gift and does it just like with that, 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 that positive joy, Oh man, that would make me so happy. I would feel so honored by that. I would feel so blessed by that. I wouldn't. I would love that gift. It doesn't matter what it was, you know. And I think the same can be true about our walk with God. I think the same can be true about how we serve others. I think the same can be true about just anything that we're trying to accomplish in our lives. Society might glorify those who martyr themselves for the greater good. We see that a lot actually in like education, you know, anybody who works as a first responder or really any of those jobs that like, you know, like, uh, you know, kind of like elevate the workaholics of the world, right? But I honestly believe that operating from a place of joy and peace is not only just like the vehicle towards our best life, our best labor and our best love. I honestly think that as fruits of the spirit, it's what we're called to do. So let's dig into these words. Let's take our joy and our peace seriously. And I want to start off by talking a little bit about joy. How I'm going to define, how I'm going to kind of go through these two words, joy and peace, is we're going to talk a little bit about how they're defined. We're going to talk a little bit about what the Bible thinks about them. And then we're also just going to kind of examine kind of how we, how should we, you know, aim to, to be more joyful, more, or more peaceful people. So with that being said, let's start with joy. Let me give you the Merriam-Webster dictionary definition for what joy is. Um, it says here in Merriam-Webster, joy is defined as the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Something tells me that this definition was written by someone with like Western ideology because that's not really how I personally define it. It's not really, you know, the most compelling thing I've ever read. Um, however, I do believe that that's how society views joy. You know, uh, in fact, there is an entire app devoted to this definition. It's called Instagram. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do that joke since Brian did the exact same joke last week. I'm sorry, very corny, let me move on. So. From a biblical standpoint, though, that is not how joy is defined. Joy is a little bit deeper than, you know, the, the, the fruits of material, like, happiness. In fact, the Greek word for joy is chara, and that is defined as an inner feeling of gladness, delight, and rejoicing. So, one of my favorite pastors, uh, he, he preaches a lot about joy. And he describes it as this, and I think that this is a really good definition as well. And you can kind of see, you know, where he gets this from in the Bible. Joy, uh, he describes it as a deep assurance and confidence that ignites a cheerful heart. Mm, it's beautiful, right? And what I love about the biblical sort of perspective of joy is that it isn't determined by our circumstances. It is based on our belief and our faith. And Jesus teaches us in the Gospels that even if you're a poor, powerless, marginalized person, the way of the Lord leads us to a place of joy in which the kingdom of heaven comes down to earth. Hmm. Which I think that's, that's, that's so true and that's so powerful. And I honestly believe that by seeking the good in an authentic way and, and being in commune with God and the church, the harvest of these efforts is joy. 
And that is something that cannot be taken away from you. It is a gift from God that is eternal. And like I previously said, this has been the unhappiest year of my life. I, I, I'm not being dramatic. I honestly believe that. But even so, there was still room for joy. A verse that I recently came across that really speaks to this idea um, is uh, in the book of James. It's uh, James chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and it goes like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The biggest lesson of this past year for me and it speaks exactly to, uh, to, to this verse and kind of how we've, how we've described joy from a biblical standpoint is, man, I, it really opened my eyes this past year to how much of a slave I was to FOMO culture. Do you know what FOMO culture is? FOMO is an acronym that stands for fear of missing out. And the lifestyle associated with this word is very much a life of decadence extravagant living, and really just bragging to the world how awesome your life is. Spoiler alert, no one's life is actually that great. <laughs> you know, I don't care what Instagram says or how much money you have or how much, you know, your passport has been stamped. But all that to say, you know, despite knowing this, you know, from an from a intellectual standpoint, a lot of my life revolved directly or indirectly around this concept, you know? Um, and when the shutdown happened, uh, I'll be honest, I fell into a pretty deep sadness because it was, as, it was as if the only thing that was giving me any kind of, you know, happiness or positivity, albeit vain happiness and positivity, came from these things. And then when they went away, it felt like I had nothing, which is crazy. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm married to a beautiful woman who's an amazing person. I have great friends. I have, you know, a lot in my life, but when the shutdown happened, it felt like I had nothing. Not because I had nothing, but because I was a slave. And the joy of this time for me has been breaking the shackles of that kind of materialism. And, you know, I regret a lot of how I used to be, um, but in a lot of ways, you know, I, I think that my journey has been meaningful. And I also, despite how bad this year was, the shutdown saved me. It forced me to really focus on my inner life. It forced me to take my physical and mental wellness seriously. And in that, not only did I find joy, but I found peace and I found myself. So now let's talk about peace for a little bit, okay? peace. Let's do the Merriam-Webster Dictionary because I think that is telling of how we as a society view uh, this particular word. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary for peace is this. Freedom from disturbance, the state of tranquility. I think that's a better definition, in fairness, to Merriam and Webster, whoever they are. Um, albeit, like, not exactly like, I don't know, like the sexiest definition I've ever heard. Uh, but I do think also, like the, like the definition of joy, there's a lot missing in this particular definition, especially as we compare it to the biblical perspective. And from a biblical standpoint, the definition of peace evokes images of wholeness and harmony, both with the divine and with ourselves. 
The Greek word for peace is Yarini, which not only derives from the Greek goddess of peace, who also shares that exact same name, but it literally translates to this, to join or bind together that which has been separated. Oh man, like I, when I first read that, that really just like hit me so deep in my soul. I'm gonna read it again. The uh, Yarini, which is the Greek word for joy, translates to, to join or bind together that which has been separated. No wonder Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. He came and died so that we could be in perfect communion with God and his people. And now nothing can separate us. And as we read about the concept of peace within the New Testament, we see this word kind of convey a sense of inner rest, well-being, and harmony. Especially, you know, a lot of times concepts of peace are byproducts of purifying ourselves via the way of God. And we see this in the New Testament in Romans chapter 8, um, because verse 16 says this, To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So to sum it up, the quest for peace is, is twofold. You know, it's being in communion with God and his people. You know, I honestly believe that that's, that is the, the first wing. The second wing is pursuing humanity's highest good and striving towards holiness. In those things, we will find peace. And I honestly believe that I'm living proof of that. You know, I, as much as I, I try to be the best person that I can, you know, my, my materialism footprint is pretty large, even now. Um, but I think that, you know, at least now I know, at least now I'm willing to accept that about myself. And, you know, the, 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 the path to peace just seems wider. And I'll conclude um, with this, I mean, with this very simple statement. Joy and peace are essential to the life that God wants for us. I honestly believe that. And if you're lacking in joy or peace or both, I can confidently say that God does not want that for you. He does not want you to live that life. The fruit of the Spirit should be our measure of success as we walk with God and navigate life's very complicated experiences. Another thing this year has taught me is that life is just so short and precious, isn't it? I don't know if I want to spend another second of my life being even a little bit devoid of joy and peace. I want to live in the fullness of joy and in God's perfect peace. That should be the calling for all of us. And as we seek to enhance or improve our faith to produce more fruit, let me leave you with a few questions that I really want you to think about in the coming days. This one pertains to joy. How can we as believers maximize our joy? And more specifically, perhaps, you know, speaking to the individual here now, if you're someone who's currently in a joy deficit, how can we bring your joy back? Or how can we spark joy in your life today? If you're already a joyful person, how can you take your joy to the next level? Or perhaps how can you live a life in which your joy overflows and blesses others? 
Like I said previously, joy was at the center of the gospel. The teachings of Jesus were very much aimed at helping people who felt like they had their joy robbed from them, just based off of their circumstances. And additionally, the Bible provides us with so many examples of how we can sow the seeds of joy. It's one of the main reasons why I read it. And it's, 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 it seems like, especially in the New Testament, there are, it's a blueprint for how we can be more joyful. In, 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 in the book of John, Jesus talks about prayer being a source of joy. In Luke, Jesus talks about how repentance can be a way for you to unload and, and, and not only feel joy, but to feel at peace. In 1 John, we'll, we'll see a lot of different verses there that talk about fellowship and how fellowship with your Christian brothers and sisters can bring about joy. And I know for myself in this past year, being at the well has brought that for me. And in 2 Corinthians, it says that giving produces joy. Generosity produces joy, you know, to give to your church, to give to, you know, a philanthropic organization like the ASPCA, or perhaps even just giving your time or your resources to your, to your neighbors or to your friends or to whoever. Generosity produces joy. And all that to say, I just want us to make a regular practice of reading scripture because not only will that show us how to be joyful, but it even says in John chapter 15 that reading scripture itself produces joy. <laughs> I didn't always believe that, by the way. You know, I remember, as a, especially as a pastor's kid, I uh, grew up kind of resenting the Bible and reading it. Um, but it was only until like I really you know, took it seriously. I started to read it from like, a, you know, an academic scholarly sort of standpoint and the thing like unlocked. And now I feel like it, it gives me so much joy to really discern its meanings. And if that if you're if you're like me and you're someone that kind of struggles to read the Bible, you know, I, I please t tell one of us. We would love to just give you some resources on how you can just illuminate it. Another question to ask, and, and this one specifically speaks to peace. What are the disturbances in your life that get in the way of being in perfect peace with God? This question, you know, will probably require a lot of like personal contemplation for you to really get to the bottom of it. So with that being said, let me recommend a contemplative activity from the great Saint Ignatius, which if you're not familiar with who Saint Ignatius is, he was a theologian and a Catholic priest who was famous for um, essentially prescribing spiritual exercises uh, that were aimed at training your mind to, to, you know, to be a better Christian or to be you know, geared more towards, towards the Lord. And one of his practices was called examine. And it went like this, every night, at the end of his day, St. Ignatius would close his eyes and he would replay his entire day in his head like a movie. And when he was finished, he would ask himself some, you know, some important questions and he would make notes. He would ask himself things like, what were times in the day where I felt most alive? What were times in the day where I felt most at peace? What were times of the day where I felt closest to God or I felt connected to, you know, the the... The, the, the spiritual energy of God. On the flip side, he also asked himself the opposite. He would ask himself things like, what were times in the day where I felt anxious? What were times in the day where I felt frustrated or angry? What were the causes of my hardships? 
and essentially he was just taking like a mental inventory of just like his experiences within a given day and he would categorize them in you know positives and negatives and with the positives he would try to find ways to incorporate those more in his life to live a life of joy to live a life of peace right and for the negatives he tried to find a ways to either eliminate them you know suppress them or perhaps even like uh you know make them more enjoyable but he tr but he he definitely took note of them and I believe that, you know, as Christians, we all just need to take a page from St. Ignatius' book and really be in pursuit of our best joy and our best peace. You know, if we're serious about that, I think that life can be what we want it to be. And, uh, you know, this, this Christian walk can really bring about endless amounts of joy and peace. And I also think this, you know, if, if we can take joy and peace seriously, especially given that they are fruits of the Spirit, I honestly think that we can be in perfect harmony with God's love. And I hope that our endeavors to live our best lives are filled with moments of joy and peace that comes from God. And again, that gift is eternal. It cannot be taken away from you. It cannot be, you know, something that is ruined by your circumstance. I'll end the sermon today with a poem, and it's from uh, the Methodist leader Charles Wesley. He's, he's John Wesley's younger brother. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church. Uh, Charles was also a poet, and he wrote a poem that really spoke to me this week, and it's entitled, At Lying Down, which I'm wondering, I wonder if he's also a St. Ignatius fan, but the poem, At Lying Down, it goes like this. Inured to poverty and pain, a suffering life my master led. The son of God, the son of man, he had not where to lay his head. But lo, a place he hath prepared for me whom watchful angels keep. Nay, he himself becomes my guard. He smooths my bed and gives me sleep. Jesus protects, my fears be gone. What can the rock of ages move? Safe in thy arms I lay me down, thy everlasting arms of love. While thou art intimately nigh, who, who shall violate my rest? Sin, earth, and hell I now defy. I lean upon my Savior's breast. I rest beneath the almighty shade. My griefs expire, my troubles cease. Thou Lord, on whom my soul is stayed, wilt keep me still in perfect peace. Me for thine own thou lovest to take in time and in eternity. Thou never, never wilt forsake a helpless worm that trusts in thee. Wherefore in confidence I close my eyes for thine are open still. My spirit lulled in calm repose waits for the counsels of thy will. After thy likeness let me rise. If here thou wilt my longer stay, or close in mortal sleep my eyes to open them in endless day. Still let me run or end my race. I cannot choose, I all resign, contract or lengthen out my days. Come life, come death, for Christ is mine. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, 
we know that our joy and our peace come from you. They don't come from our circumstance. They don't come from whether or not we can have things. They come from you. And we know that that gift is eternal. And so let us not squander that gift. Let us not live in a way in which we cannot express gratitude and joy for all that you've given us. May we really meditate on your goodness. May we live a life that is filled with moments where we can say, the Lord is good. He gives me rest. He gives me joy. He gives me peace. We pray all this in your name.